My name is Skip Sims, Senior Vice President of Ann Arbor Spark. I also am the managing member of the Michigan Angel Fund and member of the Michigan Angel Community. It Takes Money is a series of podcasts featuring angel investors and experts who offer insight on how to invest in startups. In these podcasts, we'll discuss the many aspects of angel investing and why they're choosing to invest in Michigan. Hello again, and welcome, uh, and special welcome to my guest, David Brophy, who over the years has become a pretty good friend, uh, someone who probably doesn't need much of an introduction. If you're in the uh, venture world, uh, venture capital, private equity, or even a major significant angel investor, you know who this guy is. It's David Brophy, director of the Venture Capital and Private Equity uh, Center at the University of Michigan, Ross School of Business, and a professor of finance. Uh, been there quite a while, we don't need to go into that. But I do wanna start, Dave, uh, you know, you shared with me a few years ago, the book that you wrote back in the 70s, uh, about 45 years ago. And it talked about Michigan in particular, and the need for basically venture capital, uh, that early stage investment in our startups. And what possessed you? Let's start there. What possessed you to write that book? And then I'd like you to talk about What's transpired in the past 45 years? Is the book any different today than it was 45 years ago? Well, the motivation uh, came from the fact that I had started a company with uh, actually a, a guy that I shared an apartment with at, when we were both going through the uh, PhD program at Ohio State. I know that's a swear word in Michigan, but nonetheless, it has to be used. Uh, Seth Bonder was his name. He was a professor of engineering up here and Bob Farrell, who was basically his TA, but one of the smartest guys in the world at the time. Uh, we had started a company called Vector Research, uh, which now has uh, morphed into one of the companies uh, in town because of a sale ultimately. So I had done that and I had people uh, asking me, how'd you raise the money, what'd you do, et cetera, et cetera, because it seemed to be a mini mystery. And um, uh, I had, uh, then gotten interested. I was running the banking school here at the time at, at Michigan, but I got interested in, um, in this issue because we could see, at least I thought I could see, the demise of the auto industry as we had known it. It hasn't gone away totally, but it's morphed in shape and so on and so forth. And whereas it used to be the dominant source of uh, employment and so on in Michigan, it was receding in that, uh, in that sense. And I felt that we needed a uh, successor industry and that that industry had to be tech-based. And when I looked around, I saw Willow Run, I saw the University of Michigan, I saw giant manufacturing companies. But what I didn't see uh, was uh, emerging uh, growth companies that were tech-based, except that Willow Run, uh, where we did have some people coming out and they were desperate to raise money. They would raise it as far away as Italy and other parts of Europe, uh, certainly out of the country, uh, very few of them raising money in, uh, in Michigan. People had a kind of a preference for big companies. Most of them, if uh, whatever wealth they had came tumbling down from the history of Michigan, from the fur trade to the copper industry, to the uh, chopping down of every white pine in the, in the state, down to the automotive industry. And so the idea of uh, 
entrepreneurship and new companies was honored in the breach. Um, so um, uh, I had, I wrote this book. I, I got a, a call from the Institute of Science and Technology one day from Don Smith. And he said, look, how would you like to uh, take a leave and address the question, why do we have so many startups in Michigan? And for the most part, they either flame out uh, or the people move to another part of the, of the world and become successful. And we're not, we're not capturing that. And so I did, I got a leave from the business school and I wrote this book. Um, that took me around the country, looking at other places, meeting other people, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, uh, it also caused, uh, uh, you know, it wasn't uh, New York Times bestseller, but uh, most importantly, it was well-read in Lansing. And uh, uh, Governor Milliken called me and said, uh, what are we going to do about this? And, and what, what can we do? And I said, well, it's, it's like turning the Queen Mary with a canoe paddle. You know, it's, it's very difficult to do. It's going to take a long time. Well, what can we do now? And I said, well, one thing we could do is um, gather up as many good companies as possible. And, uh, and I said, I'd be happy to invite investors to come here and, and see what we've got. And so that was the birth of the Growth Capital Symposium. And um, uh, it's gone on. I thought it would last two or three years. And we're about to do our 41st edition of it. So the book, um, you know, was read by people who are interested in it. It's a fairly dense book. Uh, I have had to prod you four or five times to get you to finish reading it. I must say, there's no thrilling ending to it. I wanted desperately to point out at the end of that book that the private sector here could carry us forward. But every large corporate person I talk to uh, seem to take the opposite uh, course. And, and, well, there's a lot of data in that book. A uh, lot of what? A lot of data. Yeah, it's fun. And, yeah. Uh, which, which would be appropriate. But let's, let's go to now, uh, you know, I told you, you know, a couple of years ago after reading just the first few chapters, I, you know, I asked the question, why don't you rewrite the book? Because it's not going to take a lot of effort other than updating the data, the content <laughs> Exactly. seem to be still pretty relevant. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the one memory I have, I you talk about angels. I talked to McComber, who ran, you know, the big insurance company here. And, and one of the dumbest things I never did in my life was uh, he said, well, no, we, we don't invest around here. We got this young fella in Omaha that manages our money for us. <laughs> and uh, instead of uh, immediately driving to Omaha and hooking up with the uh, our famous friend from out there, um, I, I scratched my head and wondered why more people in Ann Arbor didn't invest in young companies, you know? So um, uh, you're right, we've, we've come a long way and, and uh, I often say we, uh, we're in danger of dislocating our shoulder from passing, patting ourselves on the back uh, for how well we're doing. And what we seem to forget is that everybody else on God's green earth is trying to do the same thing because uh, the idea of tech-based startups and, and tech-based industry is certainly rampant and uh, everybody wants to do it in this country and other countries everywhere. In fact, your partner now may well be in Singapore or uh, you know Beirut or who knows where. Quite different from 1974 when I wrote the book. 
with all the difficulties of uh, communication at that point. So we do have um, uh, a lot of excitement around this. We have some significant problems. Uh, every, you know, every spring, uh, we have a rush to the border from our after graduation. It's like lemmings or whatever. Uh, we have difficulty keeping good people here. Um, we've, we've been successful uh, from a lot of things. Sam Zell has put a lot of money into Zell Lurie uh, and we have some great success stories coming out of, out of uh, Zell Lurie. Uh, we've got Spark, we've got other kinds of uh, activities going on. We've got the engineering school, we've got Tech Transfer who's hitting the ball out of the park now. There's no question we're way better off than we were in 1974. 1974, uh, there was um, tech transfer consisted of a lawyer uh, hired for half a day in the university to look at uh, patents. It also was the heyday of um, uh, conflict of interest. There were uh, three people that I know who were fired from this university, uh, one professor with 100 patents uh, fired for conflict of interest, finished his career at another university in the state of Michigan. We almost di didn't want to do it. Uh, the only way we got uh, Willow Run sold, for example, I got from one of our uh, presidents uh, who will go unnamed at the moment was by changing the name to uh, the uh, Environmental Research Institute of Michigan, because the state of Michigan didn't want to fund the payables of Willow Run and wanted uh, no way to touch what they considered a toxic uh, um, situation because the students and faculty didn't want Willow Run because they were helping the Vietnam War, whatever. So anyway, um, it's been a tortured route and um, you know, today we have the auto companies that have uh, that, that are peeking at the light, if not seeing the light, and are getting into the small company um, finance business, but mostly because they they want to sell cars, and so and that's not a bad motivation, but it isn't uh, what we'd like to see, and it has been for some time uh, the truth that you had to go to either coast to get your money, which is uh, difficult because. In my journeys to both places, the big question I've always been asked is what's coming out of Michigan? And you know, you, you're pretty much stumped for an answer most of, over most of that period. A lot more is coming out of Michigan now, but uh, still um, there's a lot more coming out of other places as well. So yeah, uh, we're better off than we were, but relatively uh, we got a long way to go. But One now, the by the same token, I I, I applaud everybody, as you say, my, some of my, a lot of my old students, former students, are, um, are are just swinging a pick and doing very very well uh, for the community and for themselves in venture firms that they have started. Um, but uh, you know, with a couple of exceptions, we don't have sizable. Uh, uh, venture capital and private equity funds. I mean, they're big, they're more money than you and I have in our pocket right now, for sure. But, uh, uh, you know, scale still eludes us, you know? Yeah, and, and it is, like you said, it's much better, but we still have a long way to go. So it raises, one, I just want to make a point and then ask, a, uh, ask you a question. First of all, 
for those that may not know, David, uh, you know, started the first venture master degree program for venture capital to teach people how to be a VC, what VCs actually were, what you do, how you become one. And a lot of the, um, you know, the stars of venture capital uh, out in the valley, but elsewhere around the world for that matter, back in the 80s and 90s, is that, that industry just kind of exploded, were your students. And so kudos to you for that. And they continue to be. I mean, you still knock out students that, uh, that are doing well in venture capital. Um, but uh, can you tell us, <clears throat> just talk a little bit about, you know, the relationship between angels and VCs, the importance, and you were get you were starting to go there, and that is if you, if I were a legislator right now in the state of Michigan in Lansing, what would you tell me needs to happen? Well, I think that uh, the the fundamental thing is we need to really, really support our science and technology. Uh, we uh, some of these things, you know, are not nice to say, and I, I understand why people would rebel against it or whatever. But uh, our college-trained population over the years uh, has ranked right down there with uh, some of the states in the South that we don't like to be compared to. Because over the years, uh, your daddy would, uh, if you wanted to go to Michigan State or Michigan or someplace like that, he'd say, look, son, come on down. I'll get you a good job with one of the car companies because uh, your uncles, your aunts, your grandparents, and so on always work with those companies. And it, be, and it was a high paying job. It was a great job. And um, uh, as a result, many people did not go to university. And there's nothing wrong with that because you know, for a long time, Michigan led the league in, uh, in every dimension of economics that you, could, that you could mention, that you could think about. Uh, but when, when knowledge-based industry came along and became the, uh, the game of the day, so to speak, um, people with tacit knowledge of manufacturing and making stuff uh, found themselves at a disadvantage. Now, that might be unfair and, and all that sort of stuff. But if you look at the last 40 years, something like that, uh, most of the positive economic data is driven by tech-based stuff, you know, and the people who have done the best are people with technical training, technology-based training, and that, that goes like you see the business schools now all over analytics and whatever. So every, just about every aspect of, um, of education has become quantitative, has become tech-based, et cetera, et cetera, and we fell way behind. So I don't know what we do about that in the short run, except that uh, we have to do something about education and fostering um, things that our university, our universities have to get off the dime too. I mean, Michigan has finally kind of seen the light, but the last four or five years at tech transfer are the best they've ever had. And, you know, we've, and, and we've been turning out geniuses by the score, you know, for many, many years we let them escape. We don't, you know, we have not been capturing the value that they've been created until now. And we're now doing it, but we're on heartbreak Hill of the Boston marathon, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, we've got a long way to go. Well, one of the programs and you alluded to it earlier uh, that you started another 
thing you started, the Michigan Growth Capital Symposium, uh, has contributed to that, has helped move the ecosystem forward, and uh, primarily by just exposing startups, founders, CEOs to uh, that are doing startups, expose them to the investment community, not just in Michigan, but around the country and around the world. Uh, so Pat, go ahead. I give you permission. You can pat yourself on the back and tell us about the MGCS, how that got started and uh, why you think it's still going 40 years later. Well, I, I think it kind of started, the idea kind of started with the, uh, with the, the call from uh, Governor Milliken. Uh, but then uh, the book, <laughs> the book is a small list of readers, as you might know, but one of them was Ted Doan. And uh, Ted uh, had just uh, engaged a, a guy named Ian Bund, who you know very, very well. And uh, according to Ian, uh, Ted uh, gave him the book and said, listen, this guy's uh, really, uh, on the right track once you go down and see him. And so when, when Ian came down, Ian's a fairly combative fellow. And uh, for about uh, about an hour, um, I didn't know whether we were going to have a knockdown drag out or whatever, because we, but what was point, what was happening was we were sort of testing each other. I guess we, we've been best friends for a long, long time. But uh, he had gone to a, a meeting in the West Coast where uh, people would stand up around a kind of a breakfast table and present their deals. And so this seemed like a good approach here. And so um, uh, Don Smith had, uh, you know, had uh, uh, been the stimulus for the book. And so I said, I called Don Smith and said, look here, let's throw a party here and invite some companies and we'll do it and so on and so forth. So through Ian and Ted and Mike Stabler, and other people in town, um, we were able to uh, muster a crowd of investors that was basically the uh, uh, the all-star team of the time. We had Bill Hambrecht and and uh, guys like that from the West Coast and, and Stan Golder from Chicago and, and uh, guys from New York and so on and so forth. They all came because in those days, Michigan was close to royalty, you know, as far as economics was concerned. So if it's in Michigan, it must be good. Well, they came here and um, that kind of uh, impelled people to pay attention to the symposium. Now, the trick with the symposium was we've done it every bloody year. And there have been some good years here and there have been some thin years here, but we've never not done it. And so it's all it's become kind of a watering hole, you might say, for visiting uh, investors for local investors. The thing I regret most is that uh, we, we don't, uh, when, when companies make it here, uh, they, they rarely darken our doors in the symposium. Um, so we don't get to show off necessarily all the successes that we have had. And so um, uh, the, as, as the supply of exciting startups uh, has not grown as fast as it has other places, uh, other people, um, you know, uh, who have come to like we, we had people came from Cleveland. Next thing I know, there's a symposium in Cleveland. You know, uh, one of the big West Coasters uh, saw it and um, started one around his own big fund, which is now the J.P. Morgan Healthcare 
conference, you know? So, but that's to be expected and is a mark of something, you know? That's the ultimate compliment is being uh, copied. Well, I think so. (laughs) I think so. If only anybody knew about it, you know, other than you and me. But uh, nonetheless, that's the thing. That's the other thing about it. It was never, it's never been, you know, well-recognized within the university. It's something that happens, but... um, well, uh, I do want to raise any uh, uh, any interest or support. Yeah. For, so, well, you did mention, by the way, uh, Ted Doan, who passed away many years ago, but he was the chairman of Dow uh, for a long time, and you know, you needed somebody like that. I mean, it was great that you had someone like that who stepped up, yeah, and and really promoted it and got engaged and invested. Uh, he was a real champion, and um, we miss him. Uh, well, the other thing, uh, I, I totally agree with you, and in uh, and, and Ian as well, for sure, and yeah. uh, and Mike Stabler. Ian hasn't uh, passed, by the way. He's he's fine. He's sorry? He's still playing golf. Oh my God! Ian yeah. Is, oh yeah. Is, yeah. No no question. No question. Yeah. But uh, the other thing that we accomplished together, uh, the four of us, put it that way was to help uh, Jim Blanchard get Public Act 55 passed, which if you think about this, um, gave the state uh, retirement system the legal right to put 7.5% of their corpus into venture capital. And um, I thought, boy, oh boy, that's, here we go. That's the rocket fuel. And then I Thank wondered you. why nothing happened. I was not hearing about it and I finally, that was a major strategic blunder that we made along the way, in my opinion. Others may disagree. But that, at that point, uh, with 7.5% of whatever it was at the time, I think it was uh, some, some billion, maybe 5 billion or whatever it was. A lot of money. You would have been able to attract the highest talent in the land to come here and manage that. Instead, we were bound by civil service rules. And it was a great job for a bunch of guys from different parts of Michigan who went on to turn it into uh, good careers. But we missed the boat. We had uh, more money than Heinz got pickles at the time and could have uh, could have put ourselves on the map. And we didn't because of that. And it was probably something legal about it or who knows. Well, a lot of the money, though, let's face it, is going to the large VC firms elsewhere. New York, oh, are you kidding? It's exactly the right. That's why we do. Look, that's why we now call it the Midwest Venture Capitalist or uh, Midwest Growth Capital Symposium. And this year we will partner like we did last year with a group called Invest Michigan from St. Louis. We're trying to save the Midwest now, not just Michigan. And Midwest has all these universities, for example, and corporations who pump their money out to either coast and wouldn't be caught dead, figuratively speaking, um, investing in a local company. Right. And well, not just a local company, but in our local VCs. Well, of course. Yeah. 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 I mean, come on. And so I, there, I keep, there's a message I, for our legislators. I keep telling these guys that if they don't do it, they won't have any pensioners to represent anymore. You know, you know, you got to love Dan Gilbert's uh, slogan that, you know, you got to eat your own dog food. And, you know, he stole that from me. I always say eat your own cooking, you know. So, uh, but anyway, he's got a bigger name than I am. So uh, I guess he owns it now, you know. So, uh, 
Well, uh, thanks for, for thanks for being with us, David, and good luck with this year's Midwest Growth Capital Symposium. It's coming up. We want to give that a nice plug. Oh yeah, uh, it's April twenty seventh and twenty eighth. This time, uh, the good thing about it, I think, you know, we, we you, you got to make. Uh, chicken salad, as you well know. And so we've been served a big helping of the other chicken product. And uh, uh, when when we were doing last year's and we already decided to do Midwest. And when the you know, word came down from President Schlissel that uh, nobody could do an in-person program and you couldn't attend in-person program. I'd be damned if I was going to miss out on the 40th university, 40th anniversary of the symposium. So we went ahead and did it online. Uh, I wasn't able to get uh, help from our internal IT people. So I got uh, uh, help from outside. Cisco came to our aid and um, and Clixi, a local company that was actually formed in my commercialization class. And, uh, and we did it and um, it went pretty well. And so the, the big advantage of that is we could literally go global with it if we wanted to, we probably don't want to because of time zones, but we will have our companies exposed to one hell of a lot of uh, VCs uh, to the extent they're interested. So anyway, thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for doing this. And I, I applaud you for everything you've done because you, you've, you've been everything from uh, uh, managing partner of a venture fund uh, for some years, now the major domo of uh, the Ann Arbor uh, Angel community, basically. So, you know, uh, well, everybody, we've out. all been, we've all been trying. You yes, know? we have. And, uh, we still have a, a lot of work to do, but thank goodness we've got people like yourself that are willing to step up and do it. So thank you. No, David, it was a great, welcome. great conversation. Thanks for giving us your time today. All right, Skip. Appreciate Take care. Bye. Talk again soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you for taking time to listen to It Takes Money. For more of our podcasts, visit annarborusa.org slash podcasts or michiganangels.org. Thanks to the Ralph C. Wilson Jr. Foundation for making these podcasts possible. And let me leave you with this from John D. Rockefeller. It is a mistake to assume that the possession of money in great abundance brings happiness. Pleasure comes not from the possession of money, but from the ability to do things for others, which brings satisfaction.